0: spot put it in park here we go it's the free parking podcast presented by office jockeys racing to the weekend what is going on everybody Deaver here with episode 55 of the free parking podcast excited to be alongside my co-host Bush Steve, we always a pleasure to be alongside you, especially for episode 55. Not only because it's Super Bowl 55, but because we got Junior Sale, Dikembe Matumbo, Terrell Suggs, Derek Brook. I mean, dude, plenty of number 55s that are famous for this. We love going through the numbers, but this one was so special. We're a week away from Super Bowl 55, episode 55, and you, my friend, are tamping out. I am tamping out. Indeed. Quarters I had to wear hat, all the lightning, tonight. the whole gear. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have a special surprise when we get to a certain segment of the podcast of a cop I had this past week, uh, a Tampa piece of apparel that I'll be supporting <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. So uh, let's get into it. First off, uh, some housekeeping items. Unfortunately, we regret to inform you that we've been denied our first attempt at Super Bowl media credentials. First attempt. So Price is Right, lose horn right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty sad, but honestly not too worried about it because I feel like the restrictions were a lot tighter with COVID that it couldn't let as much media in. So we probably were on the lower end of that totem pole, I would say. Yeah. You know, we're a little young, you know, only been around for a couple of years now. So I, I understand maybe next year, like I think Stephen A got approved, um, mm. which is, you know, respectable. Um, so we'll, we'll get, we'll get there next year. Absolutely. Uh, COVID's kind of ruined us most Super Bowl plans. Obviously I'm based down here in the Tampa area was looking to provide a ton of content getting as close as possible to the stadium. First off tickets are obviously 10 G's at least right now. Uh, Plus ton of restrictions in terms of like how close you can get to the stadium. Roads are blocked pretty much everywhere. City's buzzing though. Signs are up. The bars are ready to rock. Um, There's an NFL fan experience that has popped up around the entire city that opens this weekend. So we're going to try to get into that, but again, restricted limited capacity, we're going to try to wiggle our way and get you guys some sights and sounds from Tampa, from the ground level. Um, we'll talk about that, you know, a little bit later. Uh, but, Bush, last housekeeping item, Twitch, hopping off right now. Absolutely. The free parking community on Twitch has absolutely been going off these last few months. We have our boy, Tones. If many of you might not know Tones, Tones is working on getting a lot of content out there as of late. He's almost at 200 followers, just hit 180 followers. So I want to give a big shout out to him at tones393 go check him out on twitch our catalyst our guy who's currently on vacation down by you right now these uh actually he's in the bahamas but he'll be making his way back up to you that's our boy rigsy a lot of you guys know Riggs gg uh had him on for episode 52 And our guys over there with 735 eyes on the free parking logo. Congratulations to Rigzi on that one. Almost at a 1,000. That's absolutely incredible. Incredible community growth. I have 425 followers, and I wanted to give my boy KP a big shout out. This guy just started streaming on Twitch like a month ago, and he's already at 125. And then our boy DJ uh, on the free parking main account, just shy of 200 followers at 195 uh, on the free parking pod. Twitch account. So Deeves, we are, we are cranking it out on Twitch, man. We're getting those eyes out there, bro. DJ also rocked a fantastic midweek stream this week on uh, his his day job, his DJing account. Uh, He was ripping glorious tunes on the center stage entertainment account. So uh, love whenever that guy puts out some, some content. Mm -hmm. I feel like every time we record a podcast, again, we record on Wednesdays drop on Thursdays news comes out immediately after. And obviously last week, not the best news. Um, to run through a couple, you know, in memoriams here and obviously being, uh, um, being monster sports fanatics, plus also now a media platform. I feel like these two are really important to, to our brand. Uh, one being the passing of Hank Aaron, uh, hammer and Hank, uh, 755 career home runs, uh, passed away at the age of, of 86. And then the other passing last week, uh, the late great Larry King, um, uh, which is, probably a pretty shocking one because it seems like he's been around forever. Um, Honestly, my biggest memory of Larry King would probably be the B movie. (laughs) Uh, For some reason, the B movie scene is is a big one, but he had some great, you know, timeless interviews and obviously his post post CNN career, he did some good stuff um, on YouTube with some funny, uh, that DJ Khaled video that resurfaced this week. That was, that was a good one, but Hank Aaron too, my memory of Hank Aaron, uh, obviously we did not see him play, but first off the Braves uniforms when he played, were absolutely gorgeous. And then two, when I was a kid, I went to one of those like baseball card expos, which actually like nowadays would would be super popular with the resurgence of sports trading cards. Went to a baseball trading card expo, and I was walking through the crowd with my family, uh, and uh, being you know a ten year old baseball fan, I don't know how one of the um, you know collectors saw me in the crowd, but he ended up giving me a home run almanac. And this was in, you know, 2005, probably. I was probably 10 years old at the time. A baseball home run almanac. And on the front cover was Hank Aaron, because at the time, he was still the all-time home run leader. And basically from there, it went and listed every single home run hit, you know, the, the league leaders at the time in 2005. So Babe Ruth at number two. I believe Barry Bonds at that point in time had like in the 600s or in the 500s, he was like the chasing you know, the guy chasing. Right. So it was, that's my one memory of Hank Aaron. Cause that book stayed, I mean, it's probably still in my childhood bedroom to this, to this day. So that's how I remember at least Hank Aaron is like the home run King. That's a really cool piece of memorabilia and going along with the Hank Aaron memorabilia. My big thing with that, I have a signed Hank Aaron baseball. Uh, now I don't have it on me. My, uh, my father keeps it in his memorabilia collection, but we yeah. have a Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, manner. I mean, Jason, I mean, like all these different names of baseballs and uh, Hank Hank Aaron Aaron. and Hank Aaron is one of them. So not only do we have a Muhammad Ali glove who recently passed a few years ago, but we also have a Hank Aaron baseball. So that'll be a prized possession for sure. And, um, you know, one day it will be will be ours. So crazy to think about, man. RIP to those two legends and RIP for the one-year anniversary of uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Uh, it was one year ago, I believe last week or a couple of days ago, uh, that he passed tragically and suddenly. I know we covered it heavily on this podcast and talked about what he meant to us. And I think I think everybody kind of lived, lived a little bit different this year, at least a, a part of our crew. Um, and, you know, I still have uh, one of his quotes after he passed written on my whiteboard at work. It says uh, rest at the end, not in the middle. And it's still up there from, from last year in in dry erase, it hasn't gone away. So wow, um, it's pretty crazy to, to think about the effect that that had on everybody in this crazy year that we've had since. I saw one video resurface up, you know, in the wake of, uh, you know, thinking about Kobe's death again. And it was one of these commercials that he did where everyone was chirping him in the stands. Yes. And I actually didn't see this one. When it initially when the death initially occurred. I saw it a year later. And I thought it was awesome. Cause it's just the mama mentality, man. When everyone's chirping in the stands, in Kobe's mind, they're all just singing. They're yeah. all just yeah. casually singing at him and he's just doing his thing. And I thought that was really cool. And yeah, I do agree. That's probably one of his best commercials that he ever did. I didn't see that originally either. That that took me a year to see that as well. And I thought it was cool too, because also, they were hating on him, but at the same time, they like loved every second of it. So not only was yeah. he enjoying their hating presence, it was they're go- they were going to miss him when he retired because who, who else? Everybody needs a villain. And Everyone. he was their villain because obviously he was one of the top three basketball players of all time. So what I my mind was telling me when I was watching that video was I couldn't imagine have being in a stadium during his farewell tour. When he was doing that, how cool do you think that must have been to be a yeah. part of Kobe's farewell tour? Like just going to one random game that season and Kobe was there and the whole crowd, no matter what stadium he was in, just got a, a round of applause. I from mean, that's just the effect of the guy. The most bitter rivals too, right? That's what yeah. i talking about, like from the Celtics to the Sixers, to the, the Kings, to the whoever he played and dominated or fought against. And we know that as, as players, we, we dislike right when Sidney Crosby comes to Philly for the last time, not on the same scale, but kind of when Sidney Crosby comes to Philly for the last time, will there be booze probably because it's Philly, but at the same time, like the real fan, like the, not like the fake WIP caller fan is going to be like, Mm -hmm. man, that was kind of like what we talked about in the Flyers penguins, right? That was a hell of a battle. That was a hell of a battle that last 15 years. And that's what everybody kind of did in that commercial with, with Kobe. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was cool. Moving on to more positive news. Again, packed show championship weekend concluded last weekend. Which game do you want to talk about first? Up to you. AFC championship game or NFC championship? Let's talk about your boys. Let's talk about your boys. Your insurance policy has failed. Uh, The AFC championship game, the Buffalo Bills were defeated by the Kansas City Chiefs, who are going back-to-back Super Bowls 38-24. Your boys were up early. The wagons were circling. What was their demise? What did you see go wrong here? Very fast for the Bills. Their demise is what you and I discussed about three episodes ago. Lack of experience. The talent was completely there. The camaraderie was completely there. The finishing move was not there. Uh, And Kansas City was just too steady, too powerful, too good. Uh, for the Bills in this game, and uh, you know, I, I tried to make the insurance claim; it didn't go through. Now I'm stuck here with a lot of money out of pocket that I have to shell out, and I'm not that happy about it. But it is what it is, man. Uh, Josh Allen, he'll be back. He'll be right back. Um, and to be honest, bro, I really didn't want to see Josh Allen go to the Super Bowl to get his uh, his boot booty slapped yeah. by by Tom Brady again, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, as funny of a story as that would have been. I, I would have hated to have it broke my little heart man I think we got the game that we never asked for but we I mean we yeah all knew that was going to happen going yeah. back to the, the Chiefs bills I think you said the one word in your spiel there was powerful I think the Chiefs were too powerful for the bills I don't know if it was a lack of experience but like obviously the Allen Diggs connection this year fantastic. But the Chiefs are just so versatile, so loaded, and can score so fast with a number of names, whether it's the quarterback Mahomes taking it himself, whether it's Clyde edwards whether it's Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, or this guy, Tyreek Hill, who is the fastest man on the face of the earth. I mean, his, t- his touchdown run uh, crossed both sides of the field, uh, blink of an eye. The team could score points in the blink of an eye, too, right? Bills are up early momentum going their direction miko Hartman drops the drops the punt or uh yeah punt for it a, almost a, you know walk in touchdown the next couple of plays but again they're right back on the horse 14 plays later they're up at 20 what 21 points 21 to 9 at half and that leads me to one of my comments uh a lot of the guys were talking about there's two plays this week and we're going to go back and forth between the two games but there were two plays this week where the losing team did not go for it on a fourth down If you recall, Aaron Rodgers late in the game, the Green Bay Packers did not go for it, down eight with a fourth and goal. I think that the Buffalo Bills were more at fault than Aaron Rodgers for not going for it. At the end of the second half, they were down 21 to nine on the three-yard line and did not go for it with 17 seconds or something left in the second half. To me, obviously, the Packers situation, they were more backs against the wall at that point, so it's more of a sure bet to go for it, or at least easier for people to say with that amount of time left in the second half, there was really low risk for the chiefs to score. The only risk the bills avoided by kicking the field goal was missing out on the three points, but playing the Kansas city chiefs, three points don't get you anywhere. Those three points didn't get you to your goal you are now at the closest you will be, the closest like opportunity to score that you know of for the rest of the game, being on the three or four yard line, that is the closest chance you might have the rest of the game. And they opted for three points. I would rather go for it there and miss knowing that you'll have a chance to score from 45 yards out a field goal for three points. points—than being on the three yard line for a chip shot, where you could punch in a touchdown. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Doesn't that make complete sense? They're you, almost, you don't know when you're gonna have your next touchdown opportunity. I totally see what you're saying there. Like, you don't know. You might not ever get that close again, but you will probably get between 30 and 50 yards for a guy to attempt a field right. goal, right? right? At some yeah. point in the next half. So those right. three points could come later. That yeah. touchdown and the momentum going into halftime will never happen again. Mm -hmm. that's what they missed out on. I think that led to the Bills floundering, not floundering, but that was it. Once they kicked that field goal, I I thought they were, you know, obviously and they were done at that point. Mm -hmm. The other thing about the Chiefs that's absolutely remarkable to watch is their ability to obtain first downs. They get first downs and just a new set of downs at will, whenever they want. And it's like Travis Kelsey just runs right up the gut turns around, catches the ball, and it's a first down, maybe an extra five yards. How, yards. Yeah. Is, how is he always open right up the center of the field? It's it's crazy. And the funny part is Kelsey's two touchdowns were unorthodox touchdowns, right? They weren't deep posts for 25 yards, kind of like what you normally see Gronkowski score back in the day or like the normal big tight end score or what, what we've seen Kelsey do year in and year out. They were both shuffle pass, kind of awkward, quick little play – because at that point he was what the third, fourth, not third, fourth option, but like who would have thought that the blocking tight end scraping across, the, across the line would end up being the shuffle pass for the touchdown that too. I mean, the versatility of not only the chiefs players, but their coaching staff and Andy Reed, who is really coming into his own here late, like these past couple of years. I mean, obviously <laughs> a lot of hard times in Philly, but like he's coming into his own as like an offensive genius. Really? It's, re- like, it's crazy to watch really. He's growing into like top five, ten, you know, at least top ten coaches of all time here. And if he gets another bowl next week, I mean, he's instantly in the combo. Higher, instantly top right? five. Instantly, instantly top, top five. five top at that three, point. top five, dude. And again, we're missing a lot of coaches that came well before him because there's a lot of really good head coaches, right? Parcells, yeah. Jimmy, John, yeah. um, Lombardi, Belichick. There's yeah. a lot of other coaches in the conversation, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. But he's up there if he gets another bowl next week. It's really cool to me too, as an outsider looking in how Andy Reed and Bill Belichick are the two kind of grandfathers of the league right now that have produced all these different coaches through their coaching trees. And Bill Belichick spawns a lot of defensive people because he's a defensive minded coach, uh, Matt Patricia being a prime example um, who I believe is going back to the Patriots. We can talk about that later. Andy Reid spawning all of these different offensive coordinators from his tree and that mm-hmm. have become head coaches. I mean, it's really, really cool to see how their minds go into their minds of others. And then they go and take it. And then they all have their own schemes like Matt Patricia's defensive and he took the lions and, Clearly they didn't score many points. He's defensive. And then you got Dougie P going off to win a super bowl with crazy offensive calls, you know, in, on fourth and whatever, fourth and goal in the super bowl 52. It's just really cool, man. Um, and that's really cool looking out uh, outside in. So the Kansas city chiefs go to their second super bowl in a row here. Let's see who they're playing. Moving to the NFC championship game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the green Bay Packers, 31 to 26. Um, This was a battle of the bays. Not a lot of people talked about that. The Tampa versus the green. Mm -hmm. Is there a green bay? Is there an actual green bay? I would say absolutely driven over it. Is there a green bay? I would say absolutely. There's a green bay. Yeah. Now, what is a bay? Like, isn't a bay like a shouldn't a bay enter an ocean or can a bay be covered by land? you get what I'm saying? Like, is a bay a big lake? Uh, is a bay a big saltwater lake? I mean, it's green, pretty Wisconsin, like, like, Is there a green bay? Wait, 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 wait. Don't discount the water in Wisconsin here, brother. Wisconsin's the water park capital of the world, one. Two, they're right <laughs> next to the Great Lakes. It lake. is? Yeah, Wisconsin is the water park capital of the world, if you didn't know that. So that's what uh, I'm getting at, is why is it a bay instead of a lake? Because I feel like the difference between a bay and a lake is that a, a bay – eventually gets you to a salt body of water if that makes sense yeah the great lakes which you cannot see the other side of when you're standing on the coast of a great lake but it's fresh water like i can't see the other side of tampa bay but it's salt water and it leads to the ocean if that makes sense a lake is like landlocked where all the bays i know a lot of bays out there they're all they all lead to the ocean there's like an opening it's like a it's like a Very large lagoon. Give me a second here. Anyway, why Bush discovers. Oh, my God, dude. It's easily a bay like this. Looking at Green Bay, Wisconsin, to me, is the most bay looking substance of water I have ever seen in my life. It's huge. It goes, it has an end and it has an opening into the gigantic Lake Michigan. Like, to me, that's a... Ge- and then, yo, you follow the Great Lakes, bro? That, you know, you can take a boat all the way to the ocean from the Great Lakes. So, it is not due to salt or freshwater. A bay is a body of water partially surrounded by land. A bay is usually smaller and less enclosed than a gulf. Less enclosed. This is a prime example of that. It looks good. I It checks out. Green Bay checks out. So, okay. Battle the Bays battle of the bays tom brady defeats aaron Rodgers to solidify himself as the greatest quarterback of all time the greatest man to ever strap up shoulder pads i am putting the crown on him i am all in on the tom brady train if you weren't already again like you said last podcast you're late we're monster tom brady guys Mm -hmm. it's about that time for you to do that thing you said you were gonna do do you want to see that thing i said i was gonna do i am such a tom brady guy that after they defeated the green bay packers i went on fanatics I instantly clicked on an extra large pewter Tom Brady jersey, and I didn't even go to the checkout. I did Apple Pay, double touch, double touch. It's boom, deadly. Boom. It's <laughs> deadly. It's awful. It's actually really bad. Double touch on the side. Uh-huh. Showed up two days later, expedited shipping because I was not risking not being able to wear it this weekend. So without further ado, I will unveil this gorgeous piece of memorabilia. There we go. Look at that beautiful piece. I mean, that is, oh my God. So this isn't the, this isn't the $100 version. This isn't the, uh, the fan one it is like the legit, like limited edition. Like, oh yeah. I mean, it's oh, yeah. all stitched. You got like the fly wire technology in the back. Oh yeah. Dude, that thing's legit. I saw the price tag on it, man. I I, I see you. Oh yeah. Dude. Oh Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And the thing is, it's 80 degrees down here right now, so you can wear this with shorts out. Um, Put my headphones back on. So the main reason I bought this jersey is not only because, obviously, I live 20 minutes from the stadium, and it's it's bucks crazy down here right now. Uh, It's really because of the guy, right? Like, for me, I'm a big experience guy. And right now, for me to live in Tampa Bay, the year he comes the year they go to the Super Bowl, the first team ever to go to the Super Bowl while the city they're in is hosting the Super Bowl. This is going to be hanging in my basement one day, right? Yeah, yeah. This is going to be right. hanging in my basement one day. It's going to, I'm probably going to get the Super Bowl patch, even if they lose, right? Like this is mm-hmm. already beyond that. And mm-hmm. for us, it's kind of like you, people weren't like having LeBron jerseys. It's like we, I'm here right now witnessing, witnessing greatness. So I'm a Michigan guy as well. Um, and even though he beat up the Steelers, year after year in the AFC, in the AFC championship game. I'm, I'm over that. I'm, I'm, I'm older than that. Why is it like, again, it's it's the greatness factor of that. Like I'm witnessing history with one of the best quarterbacks all time. We'll get into the game in a second. But first off, Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl appearance. The stat lines that came out of this were crazy. The stats <laughs> that came out after this were, were absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. That's Super Bowl appearance. No other quarterback has started more than five. He now has, after uh, last week's game, he has more conference championship appearances than 26 other NFL franchises. (laughs) Tom Brady alone has been in the conference championship game of the AFC and this year the NFC than 26 other franchises. He has been to 18% of Super Bowls, 18% of all the Super Bowls all time. Tom Brady has been in 18% of them. And this one I love the most. He's more likely to appear in a Super Bowl than Steph Curry, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, three-point shooter of all time, is to make a three. Tom Brady has made 47% of Super Bowls in the years he has played. Steph Curry makes 43% of his three-pointers. That's his career all-time stat. The dude doesn't miss. (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. I mean, dude, the guy is the GOAT for a reason. I mean, that's why I bought this jersey. Ageless wonder. What is he, 43 years old right now? Super Bowl 55, 18%. Of, it's mind boggling. And he will get to an 11th Super Bowl before he retires. I, I'd be damned to, to think not. I'd love to defuse a couple of the cons here because people were t- you know, trying to talk bad on Brady uh, from his three interceptions that he threw. Here we go. He threw three interceptions. The Packers also had three turnovers in that game. Mm-hmm. He was able to capitalize on those turnovers that Aaron Rodgers was not. The Packers, off of three turnovers, scored a total of six points. Mm-hmm. Rating the Bucks, 21 points. You know what's crazy? Deans? Cold-blooded killer. Mm-hmm. Don't swing Dude, and miss. In the postseason – it's insane the stats these teams put up and can still win. Uh, you know, you look at some of the old Super Bowls. Patriots had 500 yards and lost. The Bucs, three turnovers still, blow, you know, still beat the Green Bay Packers. It's dude, it's wild how in the regular season, if any of those things occurred, the other team is going to lose. You put up 500 yards, you're going to win. But instead, in the playoffs, you put up 500 yards and they lost. Like, it's just wild to watch the playoff football, man. It, it, it's remarkable. It's funny how it's all shaping out, too. We talked about it a little bit ago of when we talked about last week of what our be- – you know, what matchup do we want to see? Well, this one has been talked about for a very long time. Two of the Super Bowl favorites preseason, right, when, when the Bucs started assembling their, you know, quote-unquote super team that took a while to get going. We were highly critical of the Bucs in the early going, right? Mm-hmm. Because first off, they had a bunch of quote-unquote has-beens, which – Again, they still kind of do, but they're getting the job done with a great defense. Um, And the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously were the reigning Super Bowl champions at the time. And they're here. And Tony Romo called it in their earlier season matchup, which I feel like we all should have just dove right in on. I don't know why we, we overshot this. One thing that'll come out of next week is two former Steelers are facing off two controversial former Steelers are facing off in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell for the Chiefs, Antonio Brown for the Bucks. One of those guys who left the Steelers will go ahead and win a Super Bowl before the Steelers do. Those crazy sons of bitches, they did it. They, <laughs> Dude, they, I, can't be, I can't believe they did it, but they did it. Dude, they left the Steelers to win a Super Bowl and now they both have the opportunity to it's like And the pet they took to get there though like it didn't just happen like they didn't just like wind up on like competitive super bowl comp- you know competing teams like Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders goes to the Pats off the deep oh sorry goes to the Pats then goes to the Raiders off the deep end back on the Pats off the deep end now on the Bucks can't play a couple weeks he's still suspended plays he's hurt he didn't play a single snap in the SC championship game. On the other side, Le'Veon Bell goes to the Jets, gets paid a ton of money, blows up with the Jets, gets sent to the Chiefs. Again, did not play a single snap in the SC championship game. So, will one of them walk away with a ring? Yes. Do either of them deserve it? I mean, AB caught a couple touchdowns. Le'Veon had a couple tough carries. But, like, bro, it's not their team. Like, it's not, like, no. the team that they had when they no. were with the Steelers. Like, they are not the focal point of I have these offenses at all. I saw one great comment. It was like, hey, um, are Antonio Brown and uh down Bell going to get vaccinated and be in the stands because uh, they're going to have that much impact on the game as somebody <laughs> in the crowd? I think that's true. Deeves, with Antonio Brown, as crazy as his whole entire story was, I don't think there's any other team. And even though the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers said he will never be on our roster. I don't think there's any other team he could have went to. And the only sole reason was because of Tom Brady, Tom Brady lodging him in his house. Tom Brady lit probably literally sat him down face to face. Total, total assumption here, but probably was like, dude, we can be something great. You saw what I did with Randy Moss when he came to the Pats. Let's try to figure something out because you have the talent. Just don't say a damn word and just do your job. And I can imagine that conversation was probably had at some point because you haven't heard anything crazy come out of Tampa Bay regarding no. Antonio Brown. And I think because of Tom Brady, Antonio Brown will probably win a Super Bowl ring over Le'Veon Bell. I, I believe that. Let's hold on to the Super Bowl predictions. I want to drop, I want to give a little bit of time to marinate. We've talked about a lot on this podcast. I want to do our Super Bowl predictions next week along with the rest of the free parking crew. We'll release them out there so you guys can bash them when we all get them wrong. <laughs> um, but one tidbit I would like to lead it lead into with that is that the Buccaneers, just before we started recording, announced that they will be wearing white tops on pewter pants for the Super Bowl. I say it again. The Buccaneers will be wearing their away uniforms for the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, that means, will be wearing red. Why is that so important? Well, I'll answer that question for you. It, since 2005, there's been only three teams that have won the Super Bowl wearing their home colors. Everybody else has won the Super Bowl wearing white. The three teams who have done it, Kansas City last year, the Eagles in 52 wearing green and the Packers when they beat my Steelers also wearing green. Everybody else wearing white. The Pats, the Steelers, the Broncos. Everybody else. Since are five Right. Since 2005 the numbers are stacking up. They are. Take it as you may. Just want to are. leave that in there as you muster up your prediction for next week. Jersey calls in the Super Bowl are a huge deal. Because as, as a Philly guy in Super Bowl too, it was the biggest deal on the planet when the Eagles got to wear midnight green up there in Minnesota. You liked it or you didn't like it? I, I loved it because we all know how mm. good they are in the midnight green. Mm. So it was like, you know, who – you know, if they're really good in their home jersey, you cannot discount them out. And the Chiefs are pretty damn good in that red, bro. That's so. the problem is the Chiefs are good in both, right? Like, yeah. But at the same time. The white. The <laughs> stats. At the same time. The stats, the stats. are the stats. That's the, stats, the stats, stats. stats. They're there. I don't make them up. They just, I just yeah. read them off. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, enter Super Bowl coverage. We're going to try to do as much as we can down here at the Tampa crew with COVID restrictions and kind of the city being blocked off. We're trying to get in as much as possible. Again, it's the Bowl fan experience this weekend as close as possible to the game. Literally. I thought about recording this podcast from Raymond James stadium parking lot tonight. Obviously can't do that. They shut down the city about a week ago. Uh, I know the CBS will be at uh, armature works, which is a cool like outdoor bar spot that I, that I love. They'll be set up, I believe throughout the week next week with all their pre and post game coverage um saw the trucks out there that was actually where i posted that picture on our instagram account that was from there um and there's a couple other free like non-ticketed places to go so we're going to get as close as possible get some content give you guys a glimpse of what it looks like to live in a super bowl city should i be nervous if the bucks lose no 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 Yes, absolutely. You should no, be terrified. They'll just keep they'll just keep partying. They'll just keep partying. Yeah. win or lose, they'll still boost. They'll still sure. boost. That that it, I think that's at the city. The problem with the Bucks is like they're a witten out team. Like they need to win. We'll get into it later. Yeah. Um, my last bit of NFL news, we talked about the uh, championship games a ton. Again, right after we recorded and posted episode 54, the Eagles came out and made their head coaching hire. They've hired Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. Who's Nick Sirianni? Apparently, Nick Sirianni is like four different people. Four no, four different bodies with all the same face, and with some with facial hair, some without. Dude, they hired the same person for all four positions. It's the OC, it's, it's the head coach, the OC, the DC, and like what's the other guy, like special teams coach or what, whatnot. They all look yeah. exactly the same. I saw a tweet come out with their four yeah. their four pictures all in a quad box there. I could not yeah. tell the difference between the four guys. The Talk only about, guy that's different is the guy they just hired today for Jalen Hurts. That's the only guy that looks different than the rest of them. Which honestly, like Rooney Rule? Is anybody like – seriously like it looks kind of odd it does they're all like they're all like nerdy 42 year old white dudes yeah i'm just uh, bro analytical man they really seem like nerds they really all seem like just football nerds like not in the good way not Not in a good way like a high school gym teacher that like makes you take quizzes yeah right Yeah, instead of watching movies all day in health class, they're, like, actually making you learn stuff. Yeah, like, like you're laying down on the gym floor instead of playing basketball. He's like, how many points is a foul shot? He's, like, loving every second of it. But there's there's four of them, and they all look the same. I have no clue what the Eagles organization is, the direction they want to go. With this head coaching hire, I truly thought, oh, they're pulling from the Colts, so they're pulling from Frank Reich's, uh, you know, little bit of history and they're going to try to get uh, Carson Wentz back. Yeah. And then today they get the they get the University of Florida coach to come up and be the offensive coordinator who knew Jalen Hurts since he was 4 years old, drafted him out of high school. What direction are they going in, bro? Talk about mixed signals. I mean, Carson Wentz is probably like, yeah, like, nice, Colts, like, perfect. And then got this guy, new scheme, my job saved. Like, all right, Philly, (laughs) like, they got rid of my head coach. We're good to go. And now they hire basically the godfather of Jalen (laughs) Hurts. Yeah. To be the quarterback's coach. Talk about favoritism in the room. It's going to be those three sitting there on a desk watching film every single day. Carson Wentz has one bad day of practice. (laughs) The coach could be like, all right, Jalen. Go get them, baby. It's like, you're my be, guy. It's like me walking into like a Christmas dinner at a family. I don't even know. Yeah. And yeah, trying I mean, to hold a conversation yeah. at the table. It's awkward as hell. It's awkward as hell. Now this could be a good thing. Now I'm going to look at this optimistically. It could be, a, you're digging, it's hard to do. <laughs> you're digging. <laughs> I'm digging, I'm digging, but I'm digging, digging hard. Uh, this could be a good thing because with a new guy coming in who has known Jalen hurts for such a long time, knows that Jalen hurts will have a career but knows that he is probably going to be tasked with saving the $125 million man in Carson Wentz. And so he's probably going to make Jalen work as hard as freaking possible to push Wentz as hard as he possibly can to make, to give Wentz as much of a chance as, as Wentz could could Mm. possibly have. So I think it's a little bit of a motivation factor um, for Jalen to work even harder under this guy. What I'm basically saying is this guy is going to treat Jalen harder than he's going to treat Wentz because he's known Jalen it's like your own dad coaching your team uh, he's gonna he's gonna be a little bit more hard on you, you got because he knows your potential he knows your potential but he he might tell your boy who's just as good as you yo you're doing great pal keep it up like now to bro. spin off your metaphor your dad coaching your team usually leads to you being a starting pitcher usually does but there's a road if it's done right there's a road there's a road for Carson whites to start. There's a road for Jalen hurts to start. There is there. What I'm saying is it's typically your, you know, your, your family will treat you harder and will make you in my eyes this is how it should be. will make you work harder to get where you want to be. Whereas there's a guy who already has a lot of talent, previous MVP guy, and they'll probably they're they're gonna put him back under center as soon as they're able to, and see what he's got, and work with them and tell him he's doing good, and this and that. I think at the end of the end of the day, though, like you're gonna start blood, he's gonna start blood. I I don't see a, a happy way that this Philadelphia organization ends with their quarterback situation. There's just no way. With how there's these recent hires, man, it makes no sense. Also, another point is like. Look at let's look at the transfer of this this guy, the offensive coordinator from Florida, right? A big time SEC school, they played pretty well this year. He jumps from a college OC to a professional quarterback assistant, the quarterback's coach. What does he have to lose here? Like he may <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. You're saying he might go in there and just be like, fuck it, we're going with Jalen. Like he made it into the league now, right? In this like coaching hierarchy carousel, like he made it into the league. He doesn't really have to do like anything out of, the, out of the ordinary to like, wow, for his next job. I mean, I'm sure he's like bought in, sure. Like we're all bought in, but like he comes in two, three years, rolls with Jalen because Jeffrey Lurie wants him to. Team's in absolute disrepair. He can bounce whenever kind of he wants because it's not his problem. And now he's, you know, an OC somewhere else. So you're thinking he took this as just a foot in the door so we can go somewhere else. It's a pretty weird jump is what I'm getting at. It's a pretty strange jump to be at a big time SEC school as an OC. You wouldn't go take a head coaching job at like, I don't know, a big 12 school or something. Stay in the college ranks, become a head coach down there. Like now he's a quarterbacks coordinator at an NFL team with a pretty right. shit quarterback situation for lack of a better word. Right. I, I see what you're saying. I I think there's a little bit more pride in it than that. But yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, this guy has known Jalen Hurts for a long time. I still think it's going to be a mess. There's no way I I, I disagree with you on that. But I don't know. I think there's a little more pride in it than that. Come here, on, we got to give some benefit Do here. Do you think Jalen was a part of the hire? Do you think Jalen pushed the hire? Do you no. think Carson pushed the hire for Serrani? Sirianni? See, this is a great question. Do you, I don't think either quarterback pushed. I think the GM or and the owner said, okay, let's hire a Colts guy for Wentz and let's hire this Florida guy for Hertz. One of these should work. And, and one, one of, of these, these should work. work. <laughs> Dude, no joke. <laughs> That's it. I think we figured it out. One of these should work. So we're good. We have an insurance policy. Let's hope we don't have to put any claims on I it. picture, too, like, Jeffrey Lauren and Howie Roseman in their office, and they have, like, the um, the uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like, the Charlie Wall, and they have, like, the ties and, like, the pins and the pictures, yeah. and they're like, all right, Jalen Hurts. Like, who, who was important? Like, is, is any of his, his family coaching? Like, no, no family. Like, how about, like, a peewee coach? Is he, like, a college, like, mid-teal tier? <laughs> offensive coordinator. Boom. Done. Hired. Oh, how about, how about, how about Wentz? Let's go to the other board. And they go over here and it's like, cool. Frank Reich. Like, well, we can't hire him back. Like he's the head coach out there. And they're like, Carson kind of wants to go to the Colts. Well, who's at the Colts right now? Like who's, who's his understudy Sirianni and they Nikki just like Siri. <laughs> two together. And like one of them should hit dude. It's, it's, that's exactly what it is. I know for a fact, that's exactly what it is. They hired as many people as they could. To save, their, to save their big money guy, and they had that insurance policy of the Jalen Hurts quarterbacks guy just in case it really doesn't work out with Wentz. I, there is no other logical explanation as to these hires that contradict each other than that. I like it. Book it. Right. I love that. Book it. I love that. Receipts. Last bit of NFL news. We talked about him last week on the podcast. Deuce Daly on his way out. I wasn't hot on him becoming an Eagles head coach. You was also not hot. We're also yeah. not hot on it. He's yeah. on his way to Detroit. They had a falling out, I guess. And really, as we said in the beginning, if you're looking for a new regime, if you're firing the head coach, you're really kind of ridding house and letting the head coach, or at least you pick the rest of your system. So Deuce is gone. Both of us replied immediately happy for him mm-hmm. to get another chance with Detroit in a new, in a new system, new scheme, mm-hmm. get out of the mess. He deserve a spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we know what uh, coaching position he's taken at Detroit? As the assistant head coach. So he is moving laterally to basically the same position at the Detroit Lions that he had at the Philadelphia Eagles as the assistant head coach. Deves, explain to me what the purpose of him being the assistant head coach at the Philadelphia Eagles for two and a half years was. If he just moved laterally to the same position somewhere else, is he just is, is he just not head coach material? Is he simply just a great support guy? Is he just is he just one of the best leader of men, just not quite the smartest individual as far as entire team football operations go? That was kind of my one of my takes when we were talking last week. But I think this right here was first off, he asked out of his contract. I think he just wanted to get out of Dodge. I think it was similar to the car. Uh, to the Doug Peterson situation of, you know, yeah. them kind of parting ways, having these talks. And, and once Doug kind of left, I think Deuce was like also off the ship. Like he wasn't a part of the system, wasn't in mm-hmm. with the vibes, and he was ready to get out of Dodge. I think that's why it was a lateral move for him to be an assistant head coach somewhere else. One, to keep rocking and rolling, doing the same good work he's doing, and two, maybe have the chance to jump into that next level eventually when he's ready. hmm yeah, see, I I love that. Like you know, being being that guy who's a, a great support system, great teammate, that's huge. But there is also the other side of me that says, well, what are you doing to advance yourself as well? Mm. And you and I always talk about this. Like, what are you what are you going to do to you know move up? You know, you don't want to keep staying where you're at because that mm-hmm. gets stagnant and then you, and you get complacent. Well, for me the whole deuce being the assistant head coach at the Eagles was almost just a waste. Like he got his ring. Like he had to have learned something in two years, especially under a great guy like Doug had to have learned something to be able to get at least an OC position. Here it is. I think, You can relate. It's a lateral to then go up. Like he's at a roadblock right here in Philly. It's a lateral to go up. It's almost like a a clogged pipe. He's like working to like the path, least resistant. And like in Philly, like he had no more chance to go up. So it Mm -hmm. might take, you know, uh, eating your humble pie, going lateral to get to go up again. That's, that's where I'm at with it. That makes complete sense. I'm actually interested to see what happens with Doug. Uh, We haven't really heard anything about him since he's left the Eagles. But it's looking like a couple different teams would be a pretty decent fit for him uh, in the Chargers, in the Texans. Now, I wouldn't wish anybody to go to Texas. Yeah. I wouldn't wish my first, worst enemy to go Agreed. to the Texans. But I wouldn't mind to see him go to a, a Texans team that, when he went to the Eagles, was a very similar Chip Kelly situation where everyone was just pissed off and it was a terrible situation. He went in there and won him a Super Bowl. So – I, I mean, you know, Deshaun's probably going to leave, so we're going to see what he's going to be able to do. But the one I am keeping an eye on is the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator position. That would be interesting. That is one I am very interested in. I am very curious to see Dougie P rocking the neon green visor on game days with a uh, great head coach and Pete Carroll at the helm, similar to his kind of Andy Reid success as well. Yeah, I'm looking at the Pete Carroll and which tree he came from. Uh, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe Pete Carroll is a Bill Parcells coaching tree uh, guy. So to see an Andy Reid coaching tree guy switch over and go to that Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells uh, coaching tree, I'm interested to see that dynamic because that's an offensive mind and some defensive minds. And the Seahawks have had some crazy good defenses in the past. So it's it adds up. I would like to see that too, Deeves. That's my vote. That's my pick. I'm rooting for it, also predicting it. I like Mm it. I like it. Yeah, I like that a lot too. We'll have a ton of time. Obviously, next week, heavy Super Bowl based podcast. There's a ton of quarterback movement going on. One of them being Aaron Rodgers coming out post NFC Championship loss, saying he's not sure of his future with the team. We'll have kind of a couple weeks to talk about the quarterback moves, and there's about a dozen of them that could be moving. So let's dive into that heavily on another podcast. But just know we're thinking about it. And the Aaron Rodgers news is interesting, interesting to say the least. We're going to wrap up episode fifty-five with a little bit of baseball news, which is actually kind of shocking. But I have one thing to get off my chest. One happy, a you know, little bit. Of, you want the good news? Or you want the bad news first? Basically, is what I'm going to ask. We always end with good news here. So you want the bad news to start? Okay, yes, sir. Okay, so the MLB Hall of Fame Committee completed their voting for the 2021 uh, inductee or 2020 whatever inductee class. Not a single person was voted in to the MLB Hall of Fame this year. not a single player between Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens Scott Rowland, Gary Sheffield, a couple of the big names out there. none of them were voted into the Hall of Fame not not a single player. 14 of the 400 or 500 MLB writers, who vote for the baseball hall of fame 14 of them left their entire ballot blank. Didn't fill in one circle. If you didn't know to get into the baseball hall of fame, you have to meet a minimum requirement of this group of writers to get in, you know, to vote you in, I believe it's like 75% and none of these guys cl- clips that or they're all like in the 71, 63 kind of category. No one's voted in 14 of the writers left their thing blank. Again, epic names Schilling, bonds clemens roland uh, scott roland sheffield off personally it's a shame it's it really is a shame and i think they they they're further detrimenting their sport to be honest i think it's 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 totally archaic it's archaic the, the, these old baseball writers are so stuck up caught in 1935 with honus wagner And Satchel Paige, and they can't wrap around that maybe a couple guys took a couple shots in the side to hit a baseball a little further and can't vote them in. I think this all kind of comes back to what my new point of view is, is that, you know what, steroids, kids, are pretty damn cool. And not steroids like taking steroids, but the steroid era in baseball, I am all for it. It happened. It was a mistake. I think a lot of it should be back on the MLB and not the players that ended up taking them, of not testing well enough, of not being able to catch these steroids, of letting it happen, letting it occur. And I think that guys like Bonds and Clemens and McGuire should be toted for their success in the time of the Wild West of baseball, which was probably some of the most exciting baseball we have ever seen. Baseball fans will know when they go into the Hall of Fame, they'll know there's a little gray cloud over them. They'll know there's a little asterisk next to their names. We all know what happened. But they should not be eclipsed or shadowed or tucked under the rug or shamed out of being some of the best baseball players of all time. And I think that's what this archaic, stuffy, moldy, musty, last book in the library that hasn't been touched in 35 years, MLB Writers Committee that votes in the Baseball Hall of Fame is doing to these guys. Question, is that why there was nobody voted in because of the steroid issue? That's a big factor in it, yes. They think that they're not worthy of getting in the Hall of Fame because of their tainting of the game. So you're telling me they're denying the biggest names of our childhood growing up in baseball? Correct. Because the league couldn't get their shit together and 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 do testing for things the right way that's not the player's fault the players might have know what they were doing and 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 fill me in on this last question i have here not last but one of the last do steroids make you swing faster and give you better hand eye coordination or do they just make the ball go further probably honestly maybe Works. I don't think it's both. I don't think it's both. I think I, it's strength. It's I don't strength. think it's I don't think it's that 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 natural hand eye coordination. No. These guys were gonna get those hits either way. Whether or not they went out of the stadium was probably partially due to the steroids, which okay. That whole era of those guys getting inducted. It was all clear on a equal playing field. Exactly, exactly. It was the Wild West of baseball at the same time. Everybody loved it. The MLB let it kind of go. It's really their fault that it even happened in the first place. And anybody in the league at that time had the same opportunity to do the same exact thing. They really did. They really did. And I don't know why they're, you know, they they worked in between the rules. They bet the rules. That is beyond frustrating. And in a sport that I already didn't watch because I can't sit there for four hours and watch people stand there. and That's their what nuts. I mean. I You already, I was already kind of out. Now I'm like, they don't even care about their, their biggest players that even when I grew up playing, I heard about every day. On and, this is, and, my dad and this is a generation all. of people that are already you know anti baseball at this point this is the generation of people you're losing like us and now you're taking away heroes of our childhood regardless steroids or not the career all-time home run leader in Barry Bonds yes he went from a toothpick to a to a to a Cal, California redwood but like come on i'm going to get a little serious right now Because I'm actually really upset. Go ahead. Um, And this is something in government, in Mm -hmm. the private Mm -hmm. industry, in the public industry, Mm -hmm. all over the place, Steve. That people who are stuck in the past, people who are stuck with an old mentality are the people that are dragging all of us down. And a prime example of that would be this age bracket that is a a couple decades older than us that just don't understand that our generation, this is such a bold statement. Our generation is full of good ideas, is full of just great, great minds. And there's a lot of people our age with great work ethic. Deeves, Amazon didn't make it to being one of the biggest companies on the world in the world by living in the past with an, with one of the with an owner of the company that's in that age bracket that I'm talking about. Because he lives in 2021 and not 1990, he's now the richest guy in the world. Like figure it out. These baseball writers, thieves, why are you stuck 30 years in the past? Get over it. And anybody who looks at the TV and points out something and says What's he doing? Why, 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 why? It's cool. It's advancing the game. It's making it fun to watch. Do you not understand that? I don't care. I don't care if they're sitting there chewing on a mouthpiece. The guy chewing on a mouthpiece is the best three-point shooter ever. I, Dude, it's just very frustrating that sports are getting dragged behind, and a lot of things are getting dragged behind because people with old mentalities can't just loosen up a little bit and understand that all of us right now love it. A lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. We love the MLB Hall of Fame committee is a perfect microcosm of just what you said. It goes beyond sports and it goes, you know, into government. Like you said, there's, there's a lot of people and this is bipartisan for sure. We're Mm -hmm. not a political band, but like Mm -hmm. in business government and now sports, people that are 50, 60, 70, 80 years old are deciding for me and for, for you, it, it, dude, for a large group of the population that is an affluent and on the verge of dominant piece of our society. We are we are the beginning. Our generation, D, so you and me, is the beginning of that working of that working dominant buying houses, starting families like we are at the very cusp of starting that, which means we are at the very cusp of being that dominant, like you just said population and we have people making decisions for us that we would not make ourselves i would vote barry bonds into the freaking hall of fame because he's all i heard about when i grew up i'm I'm almost 25 years old you You are 25 years old. and you look at the record books and the guy's the most home runs in the history of all time like sure are we talking about here first ballot hall of famer and that's my other question i have for you back to baseball here are these guys not going to be considered first ballot Hall of Famers now? They get about, I forget what the total number is, but I think it's like 10 years. They get they get 10 years or something or five or 10 years to be on the list. Uh, okay. there's, a, there's a certain number of years they get to be on the list. So they reoccur on the, on the ballot for X number of years. Their last year of eligibility to be into the Hall of Fame, might be 15. Their last year, if they don't get voted in at that point, they're toast. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the voting happens once a year, you said? Once a year. By the okay. same crew of crusty old, crusty old baseball writers. Who, by the way, the amount of page views that these baseball writers get nowadays—I mean, who's reading baseball news, dude? Not me. <laughs> I'm sure you probably come across an article by accident in your but, sports business journal. No, I read the headline on Twitter. Probably. Yeah. There are probably more people in, in our combined streams that we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast this week than that read that read baseball articles no joke who appoints these guys these jokers uh, i guess the, the baseball cooper sound i don't know major league baseball i mean it's a, it's a crew of writers from you know the local chronicle to the new york times to ap espn sports illustrated baseball news here's the other thing if you want baseball to be america's pastime Give it to the younger generation to continue to carry that torch. Let go of the torch, dude. Let go of the torch. I feel like we're just beating a broken record. It's a shame. Beating a broken record. It's a shame, and it's just it's another step of just diving baseball into the gutter. My last thing, my last thought is that steroids might be cool. St- steroids were honestly probably the best time in baseball. They might have been the best era ever in baseball. Nineteen ninety to two thousand and five might have been the hottest time in baseball. You know what my lasting comment is for 55 is that everything we're seeing going on with the MLB right now just makes me appreciate and love the PLL so much better. I said it. I said it. Yeah. Because it's everything, it's everything that the MLB isn't. Our actually true lasting topic. You told me to end on good news. The good news is JT Realmuto has been re-signed by the Philadelphia Phillies for a five-year $115.5 million contract. Uh, Perfect deal. Perfect deal. Very exciting. Bryce Harper is happy. The Phillies are happy. The work is not done yet. The work is not even close to done. but they made a great step in re-signing the best catcher in baseball. Hello. So now they have the quarterback. As Harper said, QB1 is re-signed. The Phillies have a lot of work to do. Honestly, if they didn't sign, re-sign Rio Muto, I kind of came out and said after the Hall of Fame controversy or commentary this week is that i might not watch baseball ever again but the phillies <laughs> resigned the best catcher in baseball and i'm probably back on the bandwagon also i live in like the spring training capital of the world which i love drinking beer and nice weather watching sporting events so i will be watching a lot of baseball hopefully this year i just talked to my coworker; she just booked her tickets for uh spring training yeah so she will yeah. be down there watching the watching the mets she's a mets fan oh so. east coast yeah St. Yeah. lucy yep exactly very nice mm-hmm well, but that so wraps up episode 55, a lot of AFC and NFC championship game chatter. We broke through um, a lot of the coverage that we're going to be bringing next week for the Super Bowl, talked about um, the Jersey matchup, which is which is going to be very influential. Please keep an eye on that. Next week, we'll probably talk about the color Gatorade over under on national anthems, all that fun stuff. And uh, I hope you bring in the sights and sounds of Super Bowl 55. We're all tamping out here. We are all tamping out, dude. You are, look look at this. Just just flash it up here for a little. Absolutely. City of Champs on episode 55. Careful. Real recognize real, baby. Real recognize real. (laughs) Jersey swap. Me me and TV 12. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate y'all.